This is episode number 87 of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jesse Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hi, friends. It's Jesse here. A time-sensitive note that I don't want you to miss before we get into today's show. My online course for fitness and health professionals called the Postnatal Fitness Specialist Academy is now open for enrollment until Tuesday, October 8th. This is the last class of students will be taking until spring 2020. As hired health practitioners, it's our job to give women a modern, holistic, evidence-based approach to postnatal care that addresses their physical, emotional, and mental health. Together, through the Postnatal Fitness Specialist Academy, we are working to change the postnatal experience for all moms and post-pregnant people. In the academy, we are teaching you how to act as an ambassador and an agent of change with your clients so no one feels alone in their postnatal experience. The different paths you can take with this certification, whether you're a stay-at-home parent who wants to work in and during nap times, the different paths you can take with this certification, whether you're a stay-at-home parent who wants to only work during nap time, or whether you want to run your own boutique personal training studio, or simply add this to your tool belt so that you can use it with your existing fitness clients or patients. How to add an additional revenue stream generating up to thousands of dollars per month in your business or practice working with moms how to confidently help people post-pregnancy return to exercise, educate them about their pelvic health, troubleshoot with them about their pelvic pain, diastasis recti, or their incontinence, and why specializing or simply adding this training to your repertoire can make you the go-to expert in your community and how it makes it so much easier to find and keep your clients. I am on a mission to train postnatal specialists who can give women and postpartum people the kind of holistic care that they so desperately need and are looking for. If you're a coach, trainer, or practitioner who is committed to learning and continually doing better for the postpartum populations you serve, then please join us in the Postnatal Fitness Specialist Academy. The link to register by Tuesday, October 8th is in the show notes of today's episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of To Birth and Beyond. It's Jesse Mundell. And Anita Lambert. We are back for another postpartum topic on the podcast. This time, we're going to be talking about the pillars of postpartum exercise. So in my opinion, I think this these four things we're going to discuss today are likely the most important things to be focusing on in terms of 
postpartum exercise, postpartum fitness, postpartum athleticism, if you are coaching postpartum people or if you want to be coach, coaching postpartum people. So I'm going to give you a quick rundown and then we're going to go through each four. We are going to be talking about principle of progressive overload and how we can apply that in our coaching. We're going to be talking about queuing, then the four P's, and then what I call the WAIT acronym. So all four of these things are going to help us become better coaches of postpartum people in fitness and exercise activities. So let's dive right in. Number one, progressive. So the progressive, this can be applied to so many different facets of fitness, movement, exercise. We are likely, if you're in the fitness industry, you are familiar with the idea of the principle of progressive overload. This is the perfect way to consider how we can take someone who is early postpartum, who is, say, undertrained, hasn't done much exercise, or hasn't been under much load, and progressively and in a structured fashion, give them more load in some way, again, over time, and this can be over a long period of time in some cases for postpartum people to get them back to the types of exercise they hope to or want to be doing. If you are taking their exercise intensity up a notch, think about doing this in a progressive way with people. So a few examples of how we can do this. We can think about the load becoming progressively higher. So we did 20 pound deadlifts one week in class, the person felt good, no symptoms, they recovered well. The next week, maybe we take that up to 30 pounds. So think about the loading being the weight or the resistance someone is using, and we can progress that over time. You can also think about this in terms of the reps or sets you are prescribing to someone. So again, perhaps in class one week, you have done four sets of 10 goblet squats. And again, that felt well for someone. They recovered, they recovered really well. The next week, we could drop that down to say three sets of five reps, but then take the weight up. Or maybe you add on, you do five sets of 15 reps, so you're ramping things up. So you can play with this in different fashions. It doesn't always need to look like just adding on weight or reps or sets, sometimes this could be dropping the reps and the sets, but taking the weight up instead. A couple other ways we can do this. You can think about putting more pressure on someone. So they need to, in some way, have be challenged in their intra-abdominal pressure and how they are managing that. So while they might be used to breathing in one particular way all the time, and that feels good for them, that's great. And let's see if we can force them to change their breathing pattern up in a different way to challenge them instead. And then of course, with the volume of exercise, let's take a runner, for example, someone's getting back to postpartum running in week one and two, maybe they do three minutes of running and one minute of walking for three sets. And then the next two weeks, maybe we just ramp up that volume of exercise to add on more sets. We keep the running time exactly the same, but we are just increasing how much time they are doing it for. 
So this is the principle of progressive overload. You can apply it in so many different ways. It doesn't only need to be just adding on more and more weight to a person's body every week. Second pillar of postpartum exercise, cueing. I love this topic because I was an over-cuer for a very long time. I was a competitive gymnast and I feel like this ruined me for a while because we were over-cued constantly. Things had to be so precise and so perfect. Was that like you with dancing? With dance? Oh, yes, totally. I think probably the best cue that could have been done is actually just breathe. <laughs> yes. Because it's a constant with dance. It's like, you know, tuck your bum under a second, brace your core, all this stuff. And I'm just like, no, nah, probably wasn't breathing so great. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. and, and growing up as an athlete too, like it's, it's amazing now what I see. And I mean, I know it's because of our profession that we understand the importance of breath and how that affects so many things in our body. Um, and yet that's probably the cue that isn't done often, um, especially growing up um, in terms of sport and dance. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Same experience for sure. So I think I took my love of uh, being over cued into my coaching of people and cued so much for them. And this can just be so overwhelming and really unnecessary for a person so think of a person, a postpartum person who is coming back to class or is coming back to training for the first time in a long time. Their baby is maybe two months old. They're pretty frazzled. It is a struggle to even get to the gym. They need to remember 17 different things to get out the door. They need to feed the baby, change the baby's diaper three times <laughs> repeatedly before they even get to walk out the door to then drive in their car in traffic they get into the gym, they are in this stressful state when they are even coming to us. And then we throw them back into exercise. They probably feel a bit uncomfortable in their body in some way. Everything feels different. The exercises that they're doing, they feel a different response in their body. And then we're cueing them 14 different ways to do this squat better can just be too much stimulus on a person's brain to even put all of this stuff together to do what we think or what they think is a good squat. In so many cases, it is just better to back off. Again, if someone is in a safe range, of course, back off a little bit and let their body find what feels good. Find what this new version of their body can do right now. Their squat might look different than it did at the end of pregnancy, and that is probably okay. Let's just let their body figure it out. So the less cueing, the better. This doesn't mean no cueing, and especially if someone is having symptoms, let's troubleshoot, absolutely. But just curb your, curb your want to just keep giving them a cue on every rep. And I totally get this as a fitness coach who did one-on-one -on -one training for years. You kind of feel like you have to fill the space of the session when it's really quiet with one person with just a lot of words. You don't need to. You really don't need to. And it could be as simple as just reminding them to breathe. But you can also just allow the silence to fall and the person to feel what's happening in their body.
Let's talk about cueing the pelvic floor because this is a question that trainers ask me all the time. Do you need to cue the pelvic floor on every rep? So the short answer would be no. Um, and there's just so there, I mean, there's a lot to this and um, yeah, I find it really helpful when I do see clients and let's say they do want to work with a particular coach or be in a class. And if they give me consent to communicate with the coach or instructor, it's super helpful because especially people who are experiencing pelvic floor tension, for them to understand that maybe all this cueing that's going on isn't necessarily for them. They actually need to, yes, focus on kind of breath work and maybe positioning or posture with the movement. But for them, it's more about actually letting go. And some of my clients, I cue them to actually uh, in between exercises to do some release work, some breath work to relax the pelvic floor because they may they may catch themselves clenching and tightening again during the actual exercise. So yeah, there's there's different ways. Sometimes there may be cueing to relax the pelvic floor. There may be other cueing um, to engage with the rest of the core and everyone can have different cues depending what we find works best for them. Um, but I would say over cueing can be a thing. I've totally done that. And also as the like Pilates background with the physio, totally have been there. Um, and so it's about finding what works for your client. It's some people like having reminders more often, other people don't. And then also noticing how the person, like how the session goes, if you are necessarily doing a lot of cueing or not enough cueing, because that can be possible too, that the person feels like there needs to be more. So it's kind of gauging that. Yes, such great points. Couple last things on cueing. Consider internal versus external cues and what fits best for the person you have in front of you. So let's take an example of a back squat. Someone is set up for their back squat. They are, let's say they're slow coming up from the bottom to the top of the squat and you cue them to use your quads more, engage your quads more. That would be an example of an internal cue versus an external cue. You could say stand up faster. Those things might work best for one person over another. They might not be effective for someone else when they were for the client you had in the session before. The research does suggest that external cues will be more effective for people. But again, this is something you can play with. Just note if you are always giving internal cues for a person and they're not quite getting it, try something different that is slightly outside of their body. The third pillar is from my pelvic health physio in Calgary, Alberta, Gail Hume. And this is the four Ps. This is something that I reference constantly because I think it is such a brilliant way for us as fitness and exercise professionals and physiotherapists, physical therapists as well, to think about the type of advice we want to give people when they're returning to exercise, or again, when they're ramping up their intensity of exercise, to know if this is good for their body. If this is okay in their body, should they be backing off? Are they able to push their intensity or their volume more? So this is the four Ps. Let me tell you what they are. Peeing, pain, 
pressure and peaking. Again, this is the four Ps. This is the advice from Gail Hume that I give my clients to consider in their own bodies to know if this exercise is a good thing for them. Or maybe there's a sign here that we need to back off in some way, modify the strategy in some way, or just simply do something different as our colleague and mentor, Anthony Lowe would say. So the first P is peeing. So is someone having some type of incontinence in some way? Stress urinary incontinence, urge urinary incontinence, mixed urinary incontinence, are they peeing during the double unders? If so, how can we adjust that? Second P is pain. So are they having pain anywhere in their body? Are they having shoulder pain on that overhead press? Are they having symphysis pubic pain on the lateral lunges? What is it? How can we troubleshoot? Third P is pressure. Are they feeling some uncomfortable sensations in their pelvic floor or in their perineum? Are they feeling symptoms of pelvic organ prolapse? A note here that feeling sensations of pressure is absolutely not necessarily a bad thing or something that we need to totally avoid for people. For people who do have pelvic organ prolapse, this might be something, something that they get in their head about. So just notice your language on the coaching around pressure. Some pressure can be fine. For some people, we'll just want to note if the pressure that they're experiencing does feel bulgy, draggy, or just they know that sensation in their body is not their normal, is not okay. The fourth P is peaking. So this is also what we could call doming or coning through the diastasis, through the linea alba. And again, as we noted from the third P of pressure, same thing with peaking. Not all peaking or doming is something that we need to absolutely be avoiding entirely. Fixing some doming through the diastasis can be okay. We just want to note the amount of it, the degree of it, if the whole abdomen is bulging. Again, things to keep in mind. If you are seeing doming, is it an issue? Can we modify for it? Does our cue change how that person's abdomen is responding? So those are the four Ps from Gail. The fourth pillar is what I call the WAIT acronym. This is what I do if my clients are experiencing the four Ps. So they go off to do their 5K run, they come back, they did have some incontinence towards the end of the run, what do I do then as the coach to help them troubleshoot so the next time we can reduce it or entirely eliminate it? So wait, W-A-I-T, whole body, alignment, inhales and exhales, and tension. So these are the types of things that I look at when I am adjusting the strategy. And as Anita and I touched on a couple ep episodes ago, the strategy just means a different way of doing something. So again, looking at the whole body, taking that W in this acronym, the whole body, are they using their whole body when they go to deadlift that barbell off the floor? Or were they only think about their arms trying to pull that 200 pounds upwards? The A, alignment or body position, 
they're going to do their pull-up and they are getting some doming in the linea alba and also their body position during that movement was really thrusty they are really arching through the back they're thrusting the rib cage up we adjust we give them a different strategy we tell them to keep a bit more of a hollow body hold and they're able to eliminate that doming the eye inhales and exhales essentially we're just changing the way they breathe in some way so again let's take an example of double under so someone is skipping rope and maybe they are experiencing stress urinary incontinence during the jumping rope can we change how they are breathing in some way to help that because we know that a lot of people are likely to be breathing quite shallow or even holding their breath while skipping so back to anita's point probably the best cue we can give in a lot of places is just encouraging someone to keep breathing and then the t the last letter in this acronym tension i notice with my people that they have a tendency to really be focused on the amount of tension they are supposed to quote unquote be building in their pelvic floor in their abdominals do you find that too people think that they need to be doing a ton of action through their pelvic floor yeah that it's um this you know big movement and then you look at the potentially what the task or the exercise is so explaining that it doesn't necessarily need that much tension through it or activation um but even in general the the muscles don't necessarily need maybe it's not as much force as we think um and especially i find around the center so the abdomen so talking a lot about clients like it's not about you know sucking in and holding in really hard because that can actually create potentially symptoms below or above like if the pressure is going up you're not getting that nice breath that we've been talking about um into the ribs and then also in terms of potentially down on the pelvic floor it could contribute to that bulging sensation or leaking so for some people even just again having them breathe but even taking away that habit or having them try it without that strong contraction can actually then positively change their symptoms too mm -hmm. yeah and this is something that i notice for myself how i respond like less is better, less cueing, less tension, less focus on my pelvic floor, <laughs> less focus on my pelvic floor and abdominal wall, the less, the better. But to your point, and what Anthony Lowe will also say too, is matching the tension to the task. So if I'm going to pick up my four-year-old who's 40 plus pounds, I'm going to be using more tension through my whole body and I'll have maybe a bit more awareness on my pelvic floor. But if I'm picking up the 20 pound one-year-old, I'm not going to be using as much tension, whole body. And again, core and pelvic floor. Hey friends. So those are the four pillars of postpartum exercise that Anita and I think are so key. If you are a fitness exercise or health professional working with postpartum people, progressive, cueing the four p's from gail hume and the weight acronym consider all of these and how you are using them and how you could be using them in a different way to best support your moms your postpartum people in exercise
We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 